Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, in Allegheny County, Black women are being paid significantly less than their colleagues. It's actually even worse here than in a lot of the country. Level Up is a new initiative started by some local women's orgs that's hoping to change that. Rochelle Jackson is the founder and director of the Black Women's Policy Center, and she's talking about steps to close the pay gap. It's Tuesday, July 26th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So there was a study in 2019 by the Gender Equity Commission, and it ranked Pittsburgh as one of the worst cities in the country for Black women. I feel like if you live here... That's not a surprise. You know Um, that, right. (laughs) Why is pay inequity and poverty such a problem here in Pittsburgh? Um, I think you just said it, actually. When most people think about poverty, most people think of the absence of income, right? That someone's not working, they need a job, they maybe need some skills training, they need a pathway to be able to earn wages to take care of their families. When the reality is, and even if you read that study, it shows that Black women in this region are looking for work and not getting hired. Um, But also, um, in, in a study that we did, we found the 60% of the women that we talk to, um, Black women that we talk to are working, right, but are not able to make ends meet. So they're having to work more than one job in order to provide for their families. So when we think of poverty, wage inequity is perpetuating a cycle of poverty, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not poverty in the absence of wage, it's poverty in the sense that we don't, the wages are not equitable and they're not a living wage, a fair wage to take care and provide for families, particularly for Black women, um, for equal and and, and sometimes even more valuable work. How do you hope the Level Up campaign can start to change that? You know, pay inequity and closing the wage gap for women in general is not a new issue, right? We've been fighting this fight for several decades in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some attempts at legislation, you know, federally. Um, there's even been some attempts statewide. Um We know we have not achieved that yet. Um, But what is more important, I think, is that as a region, you know, we have not faced that reality, right? It's been a conversation that has not been had. Um, It's been an issue that's been overlooked. And what I've come to realize in my work is that you can't address or you won't address what you don't acknowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So the first part of this, and I think the Gender Equity Report was a really good place to to kind of start this conversation because it really was a a baseline for a lot of folks. Like you said, if you're a Black woman and you live in this region for any period of time, you know that the information in that report was nothing new. Experientially, you needed that. But for other folks who are not Black and aren't women, that was new information for them, right? The reality of the circumstances in which we have to live, you know, and the fact that this region is the worst region for Black women was a shock for a lot of people. Um, And I also think it was a shock for a lot of employers. And so this is an extension, a continuation of that conversation. So first, employers have to acknowledge that this is an issue, even for them and their own company. This is something that we deal with in our own company and something that we need to look at and evaluate. And so that's the first part of really addressing it um, is really acknowledging it. Right. And this is not about us saying employers, you need to fix it, get it together. We really want this to be a partnership. Right. We want to support employers. We want it to be a partnership. We want this to be a collective process. Right. Um, We understand that, you know, on the the employer side, there are things that, you know, they have to consider. And we want to make sure that we're knowledgeable of that and we're considering that along the way. 
and so that we can meet in the middle. But the end goal here is to uh, make sure that black women can provide for their families, because the reality is that 70 percent of black households are headed by black women. And even more than 80 percent of black households, the black woman is either the sole or co-breadwinner in the household. Yeah. And so um, when we talk about poverty and children, you know, poverty among children, we are talking about, you know, single women, single moms who are struggling. Um, and so when black women do better, the whole community prospers, right? And and let me just say that the Level Up campaign is not just about black women. It is inclusive of all women of color mm-hmm. because there are n- none of us, no woman in this country is at the same level um, as a white man in this country, right? Even white women. Um, but in our region, we know that black women, you know, it's 63 cents on the dollar for black women nationally. In Pittsburgh, it's 54 cents on the dollar. And so it is urgent that even as we approach this as a whole, in terms of women in color and leveling the playing field for women of color, it is urgent that we prioritize Black women in that in this work. How did you get started with Level Up, and how how would you describe, I guess, what it is and how you got started with it? So we, for me, you know, and the the gender equity report in 2019, like you said, was not new information. In fact, I had the idea for the Black Women's Policy Agenda in 2018, mm-hmm. a year prior to that report being released. But what that report did is it validated the need for there to be a policy agenda for Black women to really address the struggles and challenges that we face. Yeah. And so one of the things we did out the gate was to really survey. We really wanted to hear from Black women. None of the other reports really, you really don't hear the voices of Black women. Their voices, their experiences aren't really amplified. It was important for us to understand what has your experience been in this region and what do you perceive to be the biggest challenge? Poverty came out as number one, um, but we learned so much more in those surveys. And we did almost 300 surveys and, and listening sessions with 50 Black women. And we learned so much. And what we came out with is that poverty is not about the absence of income. It's about all the other factors that contribute to not being able to take care of your families. Because it's not just about the wage in the workplace. It's also about the conditions in which Black women are being forced to work. And sometimes Mm. that's without sick days or paid family medical leave. Sometimes that's having to deal with discrimination, sexual harassment. You know, all the things that sometimes, you know, force a Black woman to have to leave a job and take two steps backwards and start all over again. But things that are all virtually silent and never talked about. Mm -hmm. And so we learned a lot of that through our surveys and that helped dictate what our policy priorities would be. So from the very beginning, when we, after we took that survey in 2020, as we started to shape our policy priorities, it was very clear that, you know, closing the wage gap was going to be a big win for Black women in this region. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So 
So the the way that we can combat pay inequity for black women here in the city is through these conversations, through education. You also sent out letters to employers in the county, 290 and also have you heard back from anyone and, and also what was what was included, I guess, in, you know, in your I don't want to say list of demands. Um that, you know, makes it sound like a mm-hmm. ransom. Yeah. So the first step that we are taking is asking employers to sign a pledge. Um, and so the pledge is just five, you know, just five things on a pledge. It's not a lot. You know, it really deals with wage transparency at some point throughout the hiring process. So that's yeah. not a surprise at the end and that women have knowledge and information and are able to negotiate. Um, we're asking them to, you know, incorporate implicit bias training in their companies. Um, we're asking them to do just sort of an assessment. You know, where are they? Where are they when it comes to wage, you know, equity in terms of pay equity? You know, and how are people paid? Um, and are there some changes that they can make? You know, through that, you know, learn through that assessment. Are there some changes that they need to make to level the playing field for for women and particularly for Black women in their companies? And we're asking them to really just uh, adhere to the, na- the the National Fair Labor Act, right? Which is something that they're required to do by law, but we yeah. know that a lot of people do not adhere to that. And so we're just asking them to take a pledge that they will review, you know, take a re-review of that act and all the, the statutes that are contained within that and make sure that they are adhering to that and that they are ensuring that Black women are being treated fair and equitable within their own companies um, and organizations. This is inclusive. This is government. This is private, non You know, this is everyone in this region has a role to play in making sure that Black women are paid uh, equitably and that we are, you know, working towards closing the wage gap. We know it's not going to happen overnight. You know, we're not naive in the sense that we can, you know, in a year um, we will have closed that gap. But we are asking that the employers at least take these first five steps. And um, we intend to, you know, not it's not a just sign off on the pledge and say we signed it. Yeah. Um, we get a gold star. We definitely intend to follow up and follow through um, and also provide support. You know, if there's best practices that we can, you know, provide with, you know, to employers to help them determine the best ways to incorporate that into their own companies. Everybody doesn't have a DEI person or a DEI, you know, department. And so we do recognize that there may be some challenges with pulling together all these pieces. And so we want to be supportive of that. Beyond doing the right thing, what incentive do these companies have to comply? Because you're right, they don't they don't have to sign this and they don't have to go along. I mean, you should want your workplace to to be diverse and look like the world around you. And you should be wanting to pay your employees all, you know, a livable wage. But we know the bottom line is usually what most companies go with. So, yeah. Is there anything that can happen if they don't? So I, I mean, I think you and I both would agree that as individuals, when you, we are treated better, treated fairly and treated well, we're more inclined to do a better job, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a vested interest for employers, you know, to pay their, you know, their black women, their all their employee employees, yeah. particularly black women, um, equitably. We're not asking anything that, you know, any, we're not asking you to make any exceptions. We're mm-hmm. asking you to do what's right, right? And in doing that, you will get a much better, more productive, a more well-rounded, a more, you know, black woman who feels supported and appreciated and valued in the workplace. And you will see that in the end result in terms of the work that she, you know, that she puts out. And I think also in terms of Pittsburgh being a livable city, employers have a big role to play in creating a livable city for all, because we know right now that's Mm -hmm. not the case. And so employers have a, a really big role in that. So they can pat themselves on the back to say that they played a really important role in making Pittsburgh a more livable city for everyone. 
Rochelle Jackson is the founder and director of the Black Women's Policy Center. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. Some more news before you go. Pittsburgh School Board will officially vote to hire a new superintendent tomorrow. The board announced last week that former Pittsburgh public schools teacher and longtime administrator Wayne Walters will lead the district. He's actually been serving as interim superintendent since last October after the last one, Anthony Hamlet, resigned. A state report had accused Hamlet of ethical violations. The board's expected to discuss Walters' salary and approve a five-year contract at the meeting. And the Steelers report to the dorms at St. Vincent College tomorrow for the start of training camp in Latrobe or Latrobe, however you say it. It's the first time the team's been back since 2019 because of COVID regulations. Practice is open to fans starting Wednesday at 1.55 p.m. Entry is free, but you'll need a digital ticket from Ticketmaster to get in. And we're one step closer to rebuilding Fern Hollow Bridge half a year after it collapsed. The first concrete beams arrived yesterday. These things are massive. They weigh 100 tons. PennDOT says it hopes to reopen the bridge by the end of this year. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. It's officially football season. And if you're not that into that, Antonio Brown has an album you can listen to. Leave us maybe a little bit better of a review than you would on his music, please. And of course, subscribe to our morning newsletter. And we'll see you tomorrow with more news from around the city. Oh, is this a mean outro about Antonio Brown? I don't care. He doesn't listen to this show.